Right where you're at, you just close your eyes if they're not closed already. And God, uh, just thank you for this moment. Thank you for the, um, what it is in our, in our morning, in our week, um, maybe more importantly, what it is in our soul, that we have this moment to declare that you are here, that you're with us, that we're not alone, uh, that you're good, that we can stand and sing and worship you and declare who you are, first and foremost to ourselves, that we can be reminded of that you're our Father, that you created us and that you love us and that you desire good for us and in us and through us, that we would declare to those around us and to our world that we are yours. And Holy Spirit, ask in this moment that you would make that more and more true, that more of us would be more of yours, that more of our life and our minds and our emotions and our bodies would be surrendered to you, that you would have your reign in us, that more of your kingdom would come true in, in our very lives. And Holy Spirit, this, this moment right now, would you uh, awaken us, help our hearts and minds to be in tune and awake and sharp and ready for what you may have for us. And Jesus, as we declare that you're alive and that, that you know us and that you love us and that you've given your life for us, that you've risen from the dead and that your power is at work in us and through us and in our world today, would we be able to see more of that this morning and believe more of that? And so would would you do that right now as we look to your word and to your life as we read of it again? And would you teach us and guide us right now, this morning, this day? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. My name's Tim. I'm the lead pastor. It's really good to be with you. It's good to be with you here in this room. It's good to be with you uh, if you're in your room, wherever you are, whenever you're watching, listening, any of that. Uh, this, is, um, this is just good to be together. We're going to um, look at scripture, those verses you heard read in, in just a moment. I want to I uh, share two quick things with you. Um, one has to do with who God has called us to be and what he wants to do in and through us. Uh, we talk about that as our, our vision or mission, and one of the ways that we articulate that, kind of the best words that we have to put around that right now, is that God has called us as Mosaic, one church among many in this part of the world, in this part of our city, uh, in this region that we are in, that God has called us to contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples. Contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples. And the way that we define that is that uh, we are formed by God's word, that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that we believe the Holy Spirit is in and working through us right now, empowered by the Holy Spirit and sent by Jesus, that wherever we are, whenever we are, that we are on mission with him, that we're missionaries wherever God has put us in our life. The first of those three is that we're formed by God's word. That we believe that God speaks to us. We might not hear him audibly, but we believe that God is regularly communicating with us. And one of the calls that we have on our life, the invitations that we have on our life, is to catch that, to listen to that, to stop and to hear what God might be saying. And one of the clearest ways that that happens is through the Bible. 
And so we've been doing something new here. We've done it at times, maybe through Advent or different seasons and short runs, but we've, we've kind of been doing it all this year, 2022, in case you were wondering what year it is, we're still in 2022. It's March 6th. Um, but this year, what we've done is we've carried over this Advent practice into our normal gatherings, and we're reading scripture. And so you heard uh, Denise just came and read uh, this morning, and we're standing and reading it because we want to prepare ourselves for it. We want to honor it. And then when she finished, she said, um, this is God's word. And we all responded with thanks be to God. And uh, that's just new for us. And like many things, uh, we're, uh, we're doing really well at that. We, we can do that. We can stand and, and re- repeat that and listen to God's word. I hope that that is helping. The intention is that it would help prepare us as we then open and walk through a particular passage of scripture and see what Jesus has to teach us that we're already a little prepared. So that's a new thing and we're, we're standing and listening and saying thanks be to God pretty well. So pat yourself on the back. Second thing is this, another way that we wanna be formed by God's word, and you heard it if you were here at the very beginning of our gathering, that video that played was just a mention of our Lent digital guide. And so we had a, a couple in our church, uh, Ryan and Renee Duffy, that uh, built this guide. And so it is online. Uh, and if you just go onto our website and go to Lent through Easter, click on that. I think it's the first thing. It's a Lent digital guide. You can also get it through our app um, if you have that on your phone or wherever you might have that. So a couple ways. And the intention is, is that you would utilize that on your own to go deeper into what we teach on Sunday and the, the passage that we're in. And then also that you invite a few others in. Hey, let's do this together and, and process talk and pray through it. So those are two things of just how we want to be formed by, by God's word. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 verse 12 is where we're picking up, and uh, we're going to look at this amazing story that, uh, that Denise read through just a few moments ago, and uh, uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great one. It's this scene in, in the life of Jesus that, that tells us more ab- about Jesus. Luke is telling us, if, if you've read at the beginning and, and just read through with us, or if you've been paying attention, that the reason that we have this, uh, these pages, these words, this letter that Luke wrote to his buddy Theophilus is that he wanted him to be sure, that he could be sure, that he could be certain that the things that he had been hearing about Jesus and believed about Jesus were true because Luke is gonna take the time and write it in more detail. And the fascinating thing about Luke is that uh, he's, he's super educated, he's a physician, he's got a place of standing in culture at that time, and he takes time to go through and talk and seek out people. It was probably about 25 years after the events happened that Luke started gathering all this information. Then he writes it approximately uh, 25 years after that. So he takes all this time to write and to talk to people who had actually seen these things. And so this is not all that different than like a a post or an, an article that you would read of saying, this is what happened, that I've talked to eyewitnesses and I can record what happened. Listen to this. Verse 12 says this. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Um, There's... Leprosy isn't a thing that we, we deal with too much today. You kind of got to go to work to see if you can find it somewhere uh, on the globe right now. It's, it's largely eradicated. Uh, leprosy is, uh, and there's always, if you've ever heard uh, someone teach scripture before in the New Testament or the Old Testament, wherever leprosy shows up, there's some common things that come up and, and that are mentioned. Um, but one thing that's helpful for us to, to picture is that leprosy covers uh, all sorts of skin diseases. Uh, any kind of skin, skin disease. Leprosy is a specific disease, but it's used to, 
to also include all these other kind of lesser skin diseases. And so uh, there's often this like, okay, what are we really talking about here? Is it like a rash? Has he got a little eczema? Um, or is it like deadening of nerves on the end of extremities that is slowly killing the human body, leprosy, that kind of thing. And because, because Luke was a physician, he knew what he was talking about. And when he says covered with leprosy, he's talking about the serious kind. He's talking about the kind where, where this, was, this was a severe kind of um, death sentence for this leper, for this man. And so Jesus is just says, is, is going through a town and you know, a leper shows up and then that wouldn't have happened, right? That was, they, they went to significant uh, social rules and expectations and norms so that a leper would not come in contact with a non-leper. Um, that's where we get the idea of leper colonies, that they were separated and they were, they were moved out. And it, as, as kind of ancient as that may sound, I, I wonder if we, we do a little bit of work and go, what would it look like to bring that experience a little bit closer to me today? It's not fun, it's a little uncomfortable, but, but if we were to say, what was that like for that person, and what would that like feel like for me today? It's uh, somebody who um, probably the first time they noticed it on their skin um, immediately went to denial. There's not like a, a run to the pharmacy and get the leprosy ointment that will take care of that. As soon as they felt that or saw that, they knew where this was going. And maybe so much so that they didn't even say anything to anyone, and a spouse then noticed it. Or maybe they noticed it immediately and they said, stood outside the door and said, this is what's happening to me. I now need to separate myself to protect you, my family. But immediately what there would have been as soon as it was acknowledged that they separated themselves from all of their loved ones covered themselves so that they could not be seen. Oftentimes, they would, they, it would look like rags and, and just immediately an outcast of, of society. And so everything that was normal for them is now gone. So if it's not clear, um, as severe as that sounds, just, just hear me clearly, nothing like COVID. Okay, it's not like, there's not like a parallel with COVID here, okay? It wasn't like, oh, you have leprosy, put on a mask and distance six feet. It was like, oh, you have leprosy, you're, you're now ostracized from society. It's not, hey, you can work from home and kind of adjust and, and get by. This is like cut off, done. And so much so that it was often dealt with both socially, and if you can think about this emotionally, as death that a family would no longer have their loved one with them in the home. That that income was gone, that familiarity was gone, the laughter was gone, the sharing of chores was gone, the parenting was gone, the intimacy of the marriage relationship all gone, all ended and outside and completely cut off. It was, it was like a death. In, in fact, so much so that when a leper was healed, and this isn't like a normal day occurrence, it wasn't like this was a leper that was healed this week, okay? It was like this, this only happened in legend and lore. That it was treated the same as resurrection. That when a leper was healed, it was treated the same as resurrection. Meaning, yeah, that doesn't really just happen. Like there's one or two in our history of all of Israel. And here in the community and in the culture at the time, it was ostracized, treated as death. If they were ever to come back, it would be like resurrection, which we're not planning on anyway, so we go on with our life 
and they're cut off. And maybe we might see them from a distance every once in a while. And maybe we could share food with them and deliver new clothes every once in a while. But for the most part, there was no relationship. There was certainly no touch. There was no proximity. It was completely cut off. Dire situation, the guy shows up and falls down on his knees in front of Jesus, which is interesting because the story we looked at last week was Simon Peter falling down at Jesus' knees and kind of clinging to him. This guy doesn't get to touch Jesus. He's six feet away and falls down and cries out to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me not healed, not clean Bella health. You can make me clean. You can make me clean. When we read a story that's that's about Jesus, and certainly when we read a story that's about Jesus in a longer letter but that a guy named Luke writes to his buddy Theophilus, one of the primary reasons we know that we're reading this is to find out more about Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to look back at a, a kind of a list that we looked at last week. And Luke is writing this book so that we would come to know Jesus and know what it means to follow him in our world today. This was written some 2,000 years ago. We're reading it for today. But what does it look like to follow Jesus today? And following Jesus always involves growing in these three areas. And I want to list the first two, and then we'll get to the third one. But the first one we looked at last week was an awareness of Jesus. The second one was an awareness of self. As we follow Jesus, as we pursue him in this life, what's going to happen is we're going to learn more about who he is. What is he like? What is he not like? How does he interact with us? How does he lead us? What is his character like? What are his, um, how does he view us? We're going to learn more about Jesus. We're going to have a greater awareness of Jesus. We're also going to grow in our awareness of self. Now, some of us, and I'll just speak for us that are on the male side of things here, we're particularly resistant to this. I kind of have myself figured out I don't need to learn. And when my, husband, my wife says that, honey, you need to maybe go see a counselor, I'll say, I'll tell that counselor what I need to see him about. Like, I'm just stubborn like this. Maybe you can't relate to that. But as I follow Jesus, one of the things is that I'm consistently and regularly humbled and learn that I need to learn more about myself as I follow Jesus. This story actually helps us grow in our awareness of Jesus and our awareness of self. One of the things it tells us about Jesus that this guy already knew is that Jesus had the power to do something about his condition. Where did he get that? Where did he get that idea? News of Jesus was already spreading, and it had made its way all the way over the cultural divide, the society divide, all the way to the leper colony. And they had heard this story about a guy who was walking around that had the power, this unique capacity to go beyond what was natural, to go to the supernatural, to do the miraculous, and to heal people. See, Jesus has already done that, right? He's, he's cast a, a, a demon out of a guy. Like, that's not an everyday occurrence. That's a pretty powerful thing. And then he healed a woman who was deathly ill with a fever and a, on her deathbed. And Jesus spoke and cast out the demon, and he spoke, and he got rid of the fever, and she was healed, and he was clean and normal again. And then a whole mass of people came to the house he was at, and he just healed a whole bunch of people and cast a whole bunch of demons out. That story leaked out and got out, and it made its way to the leper colony. And this guy heard that Jesus was near, and he crosses some boundaries he shouldn't have crossed, got near to a human that didn't have leprosy, laid down six feet in front of him, face on the ground, and says to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so what he knows about Jesus is that Jesus has the power to do something about him. Where does his awareness end? What is he not aware of yet? What is he questioning about Jesus? Jesus' compassion. He's not sure if Jesus is willing to extend compassion and mercy and love to him. He, he 
That's a question in his mind. He's laying down, full of leprosy, covered in rags, on the ground in front of Jesus saying, if you're willing, if you have compassion on me, if you choose to have mercy on me, you can, you can say the word, and I won't just be rid of this leprosy. It will be gone from my body, but I'll be, I'll be clean. I'll be cleansed. I will be whole, and I'll be able to move from the leper colony, and I'll be resurrected back to my life that I had before. You can speak that, Jesus, and it'll happen, but he's, he's questioning. I don't know if Jesus is this kind of a person, is this kind of a rabbi. For what it's worth, this is a fun little kind of note on what it means to be a rabbi in that time. Um, rabbis are religious leaders of the time and would have been educated in the Old Testament and known all this stuff, and they, they, would, have, they would have moved around the, their, their towns and their cities, and they would have had um, men who had devoted their lives to him and said, I want to become more like you. I want you to make me more like you. And so we're going to follow and go with you wherever we're going. We're going to sit under your teaching and we're going we're gonna to live life with you with the intention of becoming more. We're going to emulate you so we look like in a number of years the man that you are. That's what rabbis did. And they would, would teach uh, scripture. They would teach the Old Testament regularly. And um, they weren't performing miracles. That was unique to Jesus. That very rarely happened. But, but men would follow rabbis. And rabbis had this place of standing in culture. And one of the things that they taught was that the reason that at that time their people, the Israelite people, the nation of Israel, was under rule from the Romans is because some Israelites, some, some Jewish people, had been sinning and going against God's desires for them. They had been sinning, and God's punishment on them was the Roman occupation. That's what they taught. Now, what does that lead people to do? Avoid doing the kinds of things that get labeled as sin so that we won't be oppressed anymore. Maybe God would have mercy on us and free us from Roman occupation. You can imagine this, that rabbis actually would look around and say, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. And they had categories for who they were pointing at as a sinful people. And one of the people they pointed to were lepers. Leprosy was a sign of God's judgment on those that had sinned. And for those people at that time, they believed had led to the Roman occupation. So most of the people in the town, maybe not his family, but most of the people in the town looked at this man and said, not only do you have leprosy and are, are, you, are you limited to being in a leper colony, but something in your life has contributed, not just to your leprosy, but to us being occupied. And so imagine what it was like for him to come in front of a rabbi and to say, if you're willing, if you're willing, I know I may have caused all this and I don't know what I did, but I, and I can't figure it all out and my mind's half gone anyways now, but if you're willing, would, which you may not be, but I know that you have the power to do something about this, and this is my last chance, and I'm pretty much already dead, so it, you're it. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Look at the next verse. This is such a great verse. Verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus said, I'm willing, be clean, and the leprosy left him. But did, 
Did you catch what Jesus did there? He, he touched him. He didn't have to. He's, he's done other stuff with just speaking. We talked last week about the, the power of Jesus' word and what it can do. And what a joy and a gift it is for us that we actually can receive that today. We have scripture, we have time of, of listening to Jesus in prayer and silence and the Holy Spirit helping us to pray and to help us to listen to God. The, the, the word of Jesus is powerful even for us today. And he could have healed him without even touching, but he, he, he touches him. Now, I, I don't know what it's like to live in a leper colony, but I know what it's like to be away from the people that I love and hold dear in my life beginning with my wife and then my sons and then my close friends, and I know what it's like to be in their presence. I also know what it's like to be on Zoom with them, and I hate that. And I know what it's like to be in their presence, and so much so that to stand close together, to embrace with a hug, with my boys to wrestle, with my wife, fill in the blank, to hold hands, to give a high five. I know what it's like to have healthy human touch. It's something that God created us for. Gave us a, a longing for it. And not only that, but he, he, he created and shaped our bodies and designed the human body to be in contact with other human bodies. There is a, there's a way that, that, that we get fed and fulfilled and loved when that is done in a healthy, appropriate, God-boundaried, God-designed way. And that's good. And here is a man who had not been touched by a healthy human being for who knows how long, but he was covered in leprosy, so it had to be some amount of time a long time, and Jesus does something that he doesn't need to do, but he chooses to touch him and healing him and makes him whole immediately again. Jesus demonstrates that the kind of person that he is, the kind of rabbi that he is, and we know the kind of son of God, divine God, is one of compassion. It's full of compassion and mercy and loves his creation, which is me and you and all that we see, that he loves us. When we hear that, what does it stir up in us? What is the awareness of ourselves that that surfaces? It, it surfaces something that we're able to identify because some of us are like this leper, that we believe that God has, has power to do amazing things, that we believe that part of God, that we have faith that that's who God is, and yet we question whether he is a God of compassion. And some of us can relate to that. We, we wonder, God, God's powerful, but is he, is he loving? Um, would I actually enjoy sitting with him and spending time with him? Because I know he's powerful, and I know what strength is like. I've got all sorts of examples of that. And I don't mean examples of God in that, but I mean examples in the world around us. I know what power is like and strength is like and, and might. I know what those things are. I don't necessarily want to be with people that are powerful. 
I, I want to make sure that somebody is also compassionate and kind and full of mercy and love. And so I, I know God is powerful. I'm not sure if he's compassionate. Or maybe you're the reverse, which I, I wonder if this is more of our challenge today. I said, I, I, I believe that Jesus is all love, that God is fully loving, and that he's full of compassion and he is kind. And then we go even a step further and we said, not, not just the, the story that I get from scripture, but then I, I kind of add to it a little bit beyond that and say, he is loving in all of the ways that I would define loving. And I'm defining it in a whole bunch of ways that I can't necessarily tie and point to in scripture, but, but that Jesus is love, right? Jesus has to be loving, so he's fully loving of everything. I'm not sure how strong he is. I'm not sure if Jesus likes power, because gosh, in our recent history, and looking back over all of history, and certainly in our world today, power is a really dangerous thing. And a lot of people abuse power, and we have this saying in human history that absolute power corrupts absolutely, and so I don't know that I want a God who is absolutely powerful. I mean, kind of strong, like not weak, but I don't know if I want a God that is fully mighty. And so yeah, Jesus is all love, but I'm not, I'm not sure really how much might he has. And whether those of us who are following Jesus are on one side of that or the other, our world, we can point to and say, this is where the world views God all love, and that's great, and we'll tell that story, but yeah, I, I, powerful. Maybe he does exist, maybe he doesn't, I don't know, but I don't think he's very strong, because look at the world around us, and look at my very life, and, and again, the other side of it, that God is all-powerful, but I'm not sure if he's kind and loving and merciful, and don't know if he's compassionate. When we begin to answer that, I wonder if the words that, that are helpful here is that, that we struggle with faith and doubt that we struggle where our faith ends and our doubt begins. And that maybe if you had to pick between those two, you say, I'm full of faith this morning. I'm full of faith today. Man, I just sang this song that reminded me about Jesus and what he's doing in my life, and that's great. And with a friend or with a few friends, and I'm full of faith right now. And maybe others of us are saying, I, I can't even articulate or tell you or admit all of the doubts that I have because somehow they, they, seem to, they, they seem to be sinful. That if, I, that if I tell you the questions that I'm wondering about God, they actually seem sinful, and so I, I can't write them down. I can't, I can't share them with you. I can't, I can't tell my best friend, because I've, I've got this, this turmoil right now that is both faith and doubt. I love that phrase in scripture, that, that line in the, in the New Testament where the man says, I, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Don't forget that. That's a short one. Memorize that one. God took the time to make sure we had that in writing. I believe, help my unbelief. I have faith and I have doubt. And if you have ever, ever gotten that impression or heard the message that doubt somehow separates you from God because you have questions, because you're struggling, because you find that now you don't know that you believe something that you used to believe. Please hear that, that there's a rabbi that not only wants to speak powerfully enough to heal you and make you whole, 
but reaches out a hand and touch the most rejected, the most perceived as the most deeply sinful and damaging, and says, I, I love you. Be healed. That is such a beautiful and accurate and necessary picture of who God is and the character of his son Jesus. That if we lose one of those, we're gonna be telling ourselves a different story other than the God of the universe who created us and made us and loves us. Who is regularly saying, hey, let's celebrate when faith is easy and good and strong and easy to identify. And let's not separate when you have questions and doubts and you can identify the ways that you do not believe. And let's, let's be a kind of people and a church that isn't so fragile and weak that if we don't all believe all the same things all the time with equal strength, that we say we have to separate and I can't be in your presence and I can't welcome you in. That we actually say, yeah, it's, I think differently than that. I've never doubted that before in my life. That we actually stay in and stay with and stay belonging with our questions and with our doubts. I had a Uh, a phone call. I, I, about, it was just before Christmas. It was about three months ago. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, who I've known for 25 years, which now that I say that, I, it, I, yeah. I remember the first time I said, yeah, for the last 10 years, I did this. I was like, man, that's weird. Now I say 25. And, <laughs> Abby and I in August will be married 25 years. That's a good one. Hey, if you're going to clap for that, I'm just going to bleed that for the next six months. So I'll just, um, and you're going to have to get better and clap a lot more. Because maybe I haven't shared enough because we deserve to be clapped for a lot more. But that's another story for another time. A little bit before Christmas, uh, re reconnected with a friend who I've known for 25 years. And um, we met because he, he moved to L.A. And um, uh, had come from uh, uh, Mid Midwest uh, family, Midwest college, small Christian college, moved out to L.A., and uh, when that happens, uh, friends and family who are followers of Jesus help a, a young, early 20-something get connected to Christian community in a new big city, and so that, that happened, and we were the Christian community that, that there was a random relational connection with, and that was 25 years ago, and it was, it was great. It did, um, did part of his wedding, um, Abby and I were tight with him for a number of years, vacationed with him. Um, they're still in, in, in L.A. And uh, we had a conversation a little bit before December, and he, uh, he kind of, the, where the conversation led was, uh, he said, I, yeah, I don't know that I consider myself a, a Christian anymore. And um, that's, not a, that's not a new original story, right? Particularly if you move from the Midwest to the West Coast. Um, it's really hard to, to follow Jesus in a, in a different setting, in a different cultural setting, very different setting. Um, so many of you have shared your stories with me um, that it's hard to follow Jesus in Portland, which is one reason we need each other. 
But we don't just need each other just to, just to be near, but we need each other to know each other's story and to know the places that we're having doubts and questions and where it's a real challenge to follow Jesus. And as he told, told me the things that he was questioning and, and how he was going, and this was, this was, as you can tell, moved beyond the kind of the cool hip thing to do of deconstruct your faith and then leave it in shambles and then tweet your friends about it. Like, it had gone deeper than that to, to yeah, I don't, I don't know what I believe anymore. And I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know that that was coming. And I... And I got a lot of practice with that, too, because I'm a pastor. And I, I'm not sure I was the best kind of friend in that moment. I fumbled over my words. I didn't know what to, to say. I didn't know what a big deal it was for him to finally tell me. Um, but I, I love my friend pretty dearly. And it, it breaks my heart to know that he's questioning the deepest things that he can question. And so over the last three months, I've, I've longed to and have worked to, to say, how, how can I be your friend? How can we walk in this? You, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. We're in this together. How can I support you? How can I help you? Got a wife that's following Jesus. He's got two kids. He's successful in his, his business world that he's in. And, and he's really deeply working through and it. Of those two things, of awareness of Jesus and awareness of self, it's coming through an awareness of self that he's then learning more about who Jesus is and questioning some really deep things. But as you can imagine, growing up in the Midwest, kind of the stereotypical parents and culture and that kind of thing, and then coming out and over now 25 years living on the West Coast and going through not just where he lives, but, but who he's doing life with and what that's like and the challenges that that's brought. And what a need that we have to be open about those things and to say, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If you have questions and doubts and you're fearing, I don't know that I can actually share this with anyone, please know that we long to be a place and please take this on yourself as an individual that you long to be the, the person, the friend, the spouse that can say, I want to know what it is. Share it with me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you. And the reason I am is because I follow and serve one and am loved by one who comes to me full of power and full of compassion regularly. And I want to try to be that for you. Jesus then orders him to do something. Don't tell anyone but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And Je Jesus is doing this thing and says, I'm not just gonna heal you in the moment. We're gonna have this amazing experience right here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the pathway to go back into wholeness in your life to fully be resurrected and there's gonna be some priests that are gonna actually look at your body and see what I've done and say, yes, you can enter back in to society. And as a testimony to them, as both a testimony to the priests and a testimony to his family and the people that live and say, I've been healed, I've been made whole. What we'll find out later in Jesus' life through the book of Luke is that we'll come to forgiveness, that you're forgiven, and I'm the only one that can forgive. He doesn't say that in this story, that's coming soon. Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14 are these, these purity laws in the Old Testament that give explanation for how to examine 
how leaders in the community, the nation of Israel, can examine a human body and say, this is leprosy, this is a, a skin disease, this is that, and then this is what to do with them, and then this is how to enter back in. And then the sacrifices and the little worship service that comes around when somebody is healed from both a skin disease or leprosy and enter back in and they praise God for that in that moment. He says, I want you to do that because then everybody will know that you're whole. In verse 15, yet the news about him spread all the more so the crowds of people came here, came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness Not surprising, right? News spreads. It gets out. Can't contain that kind of a thing. We see that over and over throughout Luke and then even more so in the book of Mark where Jesus is like, hey, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Yeah, that didn't work. Which is a whole interesting thing to consider when Jesus is saying, hey, do this and they don't really obey, but they've been, it's, that's a whole nother, that's a different thing. Look at this last verse, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We've asked ourselves a question for the last several months. It goes along with a series that we did in, in September and October, gardens, houses, and families. And the question that we've asked with gardens is what sustains our life? Because it's a question that each and every one of us is answering on a regular basis. You are answering, whether you're thinking about it or not, what sustains your life and you're doing it, and it's sustaining the kind of life that you have now. And for some of you, that's going really well, and others of you, it's going really poorly. And it's worth asking that question, what is the things that sustain my life? And Jesus here is modeling that he has both the power and compassion to heal somebody and restore them to life, and yet at the very same time, what's sustaining him and allowing him to continue on in the calling and the mission that he has is to get away from everybody and to go into a time of solitude and talk to his father that he needs relationship with his father to continue on. And he prays alone, away from the crowds. What a great model for each and every one of us. But that's what he does in order to sustain both himself personally and his, his mission and as we follow Jesus, one of the things that we grow in awareness in is, is of Jesus' mission. And Jesus' mission is healing. We talked last week about his people. It's people and it's healing. And it's healing people and it's healing all of creation. But he starts with people. That's his priority. We are the pinnacle of creation. And Jesus is first and foremost concerned about us. And he wants us to be healed and to be healed by him and no one else. Not only does he want to heal us, but then he invites us into that kind of ministry of reconciling with other people, of healing other people that he wants to work in and through us in that way. That's what he's modeling and demonstrating for us here. And in order for us to be able to do that, we have to do it connected to Jesus. And so when we come into this place and we sing and we open up scripture together, that we also come to what we call is the meal or the table of Jesus. We're going to read this later on in the book of Luke, gives his life and invites us to know and to celebrate and to remember that. And so if you've got one of these cups or if you've got something else at home that you're using, I'm going to take that out. If you've got a cup with you, peel back the top, top layer and push down. I want to pray for us and then we'll take it together. Jesus, in this place and in our very lives, in our hearts and minds, would, would you fill it with a bigger, fuller picture of who you are, that you, Jesus, are mighty, that you, Jesus, are powerful, that you, Jesus, have the power to heal, to do the miraculous in our own lives and then through us, that you, Jesus, are full of compassion and kindness and love, 
And would we receive that and remember that today? You, Jesus, are so mighty that you could go to the cross, be beaten and crucified, be buried in a tomb, and then conquer death and rise again, demonstrating your power and demonstrating your compassion and love for us. And so we remember this now, this, this piece of bread or cracker taken to remember your body broken and this juice taken to remember your blood shed for me and for all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's take together.